This is Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. And now here's your host, Steve Teal. All right, Steve Teal with Very Bold Radio and Podcast. Um, we are coming up on session three, I guess I would call it. Yeah. Of talking to Henry Jarju and my son, David Teal, who's the guest co-host right now. And uh, man, we we left. If you caught session one and session two, we're at a cliffhanger. Um, we came to, it seems like every moment is very dramatic. You know, um, I was telling somebody at a Bible study this morning about this, about your story, Henry. And they were just saying, yeah, it sounds like a movie. And I said, yeah, if you just listen, it is it is very much like a movie. So um, hopefully we're, you know, telling people your story. And then if somebody turns it into a movie, then great. But um, the, the drama of it where we are right now as we're just catching up off air is that the place where you were living has burned down. Your father has passed away. And the friend the the older friend of yours that you had partnered with at this point has stolen all your money and that's that's where i remember we were from a couple of days ago i might be missing some details but henry is that what you've got in your mind as well yeah um so that was where we stopped the last time but also what came to my mind is um while all this happening happened, I also um, came to remember that there were also um, another three friends that I was together with when like um, my this other friend ran away with the money. Then I was with other three friends with whom I continued to um, yeah to live together with. They are in Algeria in the um, yeah, in the place where the fire got born. And the name of the city is called Origla in Algeria. So I was with these three friends. They also came and met me in Algeria. Mm-hmm. And then I was um yeah, I was trying to help them as well to just for them to get to know the place, to get used to the place, and also just um yeah, to encourage them because when they came, they were also really like um, yeah. They did not know any person. So among the three of them also, I knew one already from back home in Gambia. And we all come from the same um, village back home in Gambia. So he came with other two friends of his. Hmm. So then I was together with him and the two friends with them. And we continued to live on the street. The three, um, then it became the four of us after my this hmm. other friend ran away with the money. And mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, so the... the- then took the money of all of you guys. Yeah. Probably. Okay. No, just the just the, yours. Me and him. Yeah. yeah so he okay. just took my money together with his and okay. then he ran. So this okay. other three, uh, then they just came there and they were new there. So I was the only person okay. they knew. So okay. I was even though I was struggling at the time, but then I was the only person that they also know. Yeah. So yeah. then I was with them on the street and yeah. But it was really hard times for me as well because at the time I felt um, I was just discouraged. I didn't know what to do, what next. So, um, yeah, I felt really down and I was just, yeah, most of the time just wake up, go to the cafes in Algeria and then buy coffee and then just was smoking and yeah. I did not know what next to do. Yeah. yeah. One time, um, a friend of mine, like who I also met in Algeria there, um, took me to a, like, um, how do I call it? To an internet browsing um, cafe. Yeah. Cafe, exactly. So then I went there and then I tried to, um, um, he created a Facebook account for me. So that was the first time I had a Facebook account. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then when I had the Facebook account, so then once in a while, I normally go to the internet cafe and then just browse. And so I was doing that for quite 
quite a while, maybe a few weeks. And then one day I met with one of my uncle who was already in Italy. We met online. Yeah, yeah. And then I chat while we were chatting, then um, he asked me like where I was because he also knew that I was mm. on the journey to come. But the thing is, he also went in the same journey mm-hmm. because when I was back home, me and him went in the same in the same school, and we both wanted to go to college, but I went and he didn't. Mm-hmm. So he okay. took the journey then. So then I stayed after three years. So after three years, he was already in Italy, and I was now on the journey coming now. So he told me that um how i was doing and i explained to him the situation i was going through at the time and then um i explained to him of course that um yeah my disorder friend ran away with the money and i'm stranded and my family back home couldn't help me financially so for me then what he told me was um he encouraged me and motivated me telling me that um you were in gambia you were at college you know you were a teacher and you know how to use, um, you understand what a compass, like a GPS um, looks like. Mm-hmm. And then he told me that just walk, try and look for your transportation from Algeria to Libya. And once you make it to Libya, you don't need to work for extra work to make extra money. Mm-hmm. But you just tell them that you can be their navigator when you arrive in Libya. So for me, that was also another turning point for me. Because I knew wow. like if I had to um work for the whole money that I needed to pay from Algeria to Libya and then from Libya to pay for the ship, I don't know how long that would have taken me. Mm. So, yeah. but then when my uncle told me this, that also brought hope back to me again. Yeah. Then the next day when I woke up, I just went back to the street again to go mm. and look for work. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You needed that hope. Yeah. 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 And what happened after that is then I went back to the street walking and then I had another friend also whom I was together with in Algeria. Mm. And then he also um had a problem when we were there, like they, they attacked him and then, mm. yeah, they attacked him and then broke his knee. Mm. And he was also from Gambia, but we just met on the, in Algeria in the hustling field. And then um, when they broke his knee, because I was one of the people he was close to, um, he called me mm. when I was at work. He told me that Henry, I, I'm being beaten up by the by some just gang gang members, and they broke my knee, mm. and I'm now in the hospital. Mm. But they need someone to come and um, like make a signature on his present. Mm-hmm so that before they can attend to him to make a surgery on his knee. Wow. Yeah. So then I left the job I was doing. I explained it to the person who took me for the job, and he was very compassionate, and he's like, yeah, you can go. And he also paid me like my the whole wages, even though I didn't finish the whole work. Wow. Day, yeah. yeah. So then I came, I went to the hospital, mm-hmm. and then I attended to him, and he, yeah, he was, um, they did the surgery on his knee for him. Yeah. And then wow. he stayed at the hospital for almost a month. And then after that, um, the, he was released from hospital and we were still living on the street. And then he came and lived with us again on the street. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And his family back home called, um, knew that he, he had this knee surgery and then they also lost hope. And then, mm. then um, they called me and they told me that um they can send money for their son and then for for him to go back home to gambia but then he shouldn't um continue on the journey we were going to right but he their Mm. son was um insisting that we we cannot leave him behind we cannot continue on the journey and leave him behind but even though we all knew that it's not going to be easy because where we are going to at some point we had to again walk through the desert and then to walk through the desert, you need to have a physical um, good health. Mm, but yeah. he was not that's he was not um physically and you know he was not having that good um health to do that. But he was also really um persistent on that. So then what happened is 
Um, so I taught him like how to how the GPS looks like, like mm-hmm. what is a compass and how a compass looks like. And then, um, for example, if you are in Libya to to cross to make it to Italy, mm. which um, degrees you need to follow and how it works. So that was what I taught him, so that when we make it in Libya, then mm. he can also use yeah. the same way as I was hoping to use to yeah. to um to make it to um to Italy. So we wow. yeah we we spend couple of weeks together and then his family sent him money and then me with the other friends um encourage his family members back home that we will try and continue the journey with your son because he doesn't want to come back home and for us we cannot do anything all we can do is just help him if we can and we are going to continue with him on this journey so so they send him money for him to be able to um, do the payment from Algeria to Libya, and then we, together with him and others, went together to journey from Algeria to Libya. Mm. So then, when we were going, because then you can only um, traveling from Algeria, then you come to um, like a, a small village that is the border between Algeria and Libya, mm. and then in that last village of Algeria, then you had to walk to go across the desert maybe like an hour or so walking so then we we, we had uh, we needed to smuggle to pass there yeah. yeah but luckily we were able to smuggle together with him we carried him one after another if you carry him and you get tired and you give him another person yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and then we that's how we smuggled and then pass the desert and then make it to libya in the first small village in libya okay yeah. Yeah. Uh, are you saying uh smuggle? What is the word you're saying? Yeah, smuggle. Yeah, smuggle okay. to try to um so that we'll not be caught by the Algerian um 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 police who were mm-hmm. patrolling in the borderline mm-hmm. because there was border control between Libya and Algeria. So if the Algerians um border control um pat- people who were patrolling at the border saw us, they would just um they will they will not allow us to pass through so we had to yeah okay. try to find a way that they wouldn't see us right yeah. and you and you did it and we did it yeah yeah we thank god we we did it we even though it was our first time we we had no idea how it would look like but we did it based on what other people describe or explain to us how the route looks looks like mm-hmm. yeah yeah wow yeah uh, Okay, yeah, so we made it to yeah, and then we made it to um in to Libya, yeah. Okay, and what happens in Libya? So then Libya, um, we went to Tripoli, and then um then we separated. So because I was going to use um the um the GPS mm. to make it to Italy, and also this friend of mine who's yeah. also so he had his own contact his own connection his own like um crew he was going to lead in the boat okay so he first went and then left us behind so he and then luckily he came also to make it to italy even before 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 me yeah 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 okay all right so libya now to italy is gonna be boat that's yeah yeah okay all right yeah so libya in tripoli so then um yeah so um I also went um for my first um we call it in Libya connection because that is the place they just bring the people who are ready to be transported to the sea and then from the sea take the boat to go across the Mediterranean. Yeah. So I was taken to that place and I was the person um to have the GPS to to lead the captain which uh, which way to follow. Yeah. So we went on our first um we went in the at the sea and we had our boat and everything, and then we went. We started our journey to make it to um to try to make it to Italy. So yeah. when you when you got to the connection, I mean, you just tell start telling people that you can you can be the navigator. I don't really know. I'm trying to picture this in my mind. No. So what what happened is when you arrive in Tripoli, first of all. You have um different small camps where people are living, 
And then in that camps, you also have people who are responsible for a lot for a lot for many people. So mm. you know that okay, this person is the one whom I am supposed to go to to mm. do the payment. And then that, that person also whom unto whom the people are paying works with the with the Libyans, like with the Arabs in Libya. Mm-hmm. So he is the mediator between those who are trying to go to Europe and the owners of the boat who are obviously Libyans. So he is the one people pay the monitor. Mm-hmm. And then he is the one also who is looking for someone who knows how to use the compass, the GPS. Okay. So then when you come there and you know that you are either a captain, you know how to drive a boat, mm-hmm. the boat, and then you are a you know how to use the GPS. You just identify yourself. Mm-hmm. But first, before they take you, they will take you for a trial. Oh, okay. Then, yeah, at the trial, they will just give you a compass and then they ask you, for instance, when you are heading to Libya, from Libya to Europe, which directions do you need to follow? Mm-hmm. What degrees do you need to go to? And then you explain it to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and based on that, then they can have like... um an idea whether you are capable of it or not. Yeah. And if you are not capable, then normally they don't take it um lightly. They mm. they normally like yeah deal with you mm-hmm. because they know that you are also um putting um many people's life in danger, risking their lives. Okay. So yeah, yeah. So then the boats are owned by Libyans, yeah. but then they are actually not the captain no, and navigator no okay so they're just owned otherwise it's all than those who are actually trying to make the journey across yeah. that are yeah okay so everything yeah. is just uh-huh yeah and then in them. these these camps then i mean how many people are here and are they then all waiting to go over or are they uh settling there in libya or what what does that no mean? they are most of them are all almost all of them are just waiting to okay. go over. Okay. So some of them are like um, waiting for money because uh, then uh, okay. once you reach there, others, um, you can be lucky that you are not being kidnapped by the Libyans. Yeah. And then those are the places you will be waiting. But okay. if they kidnap you, then you run out of money. Okay. Then when the Libyans take your money from you, then you become stranded there. So then you stay there to wait. Mm-hmm. either for your people back home to help you with money mm-hmm. or try and work in Libya there itself, any mm-hmm. kinds of work. So that is, where, that is where most of the people wait. And then those who do the payment are the ones they normally take at the sea to, okay. to, yeah, to go okay. across the Mediterranean. Okay. So in the camps itself, is this then like a hundred people or thousands? I mean, how? A lot. Okay. A lot. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot of people. It's hard to say because yeah. people come in and all out the time. all I mean, it's, the time. It's just uh, constant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, every day people are yeah. coming. And the same way, every day people are also um, making it to Italy as well. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Wow, yeah. yeah. So how, how big a, are the boats all the same size that go, the Libyan boats that go to Italy? And how do, this is a dumb question, but how do the boats get back to Libya? So once the boat, like the boats are different, um, we call them Viper boats. They are like um, rubber boats that you feel air Inflatable. in. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So okay. once you depart, they don't get back anymore. They just, yeah. and when they rescue you, they just um, lose Unplug. it. Yeah, yeah. And then they throw it away. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And how big are these uh, Viper boats, these inflatable boats? Like how many yeah. people might fit in? Yeah, probably like you have 100, 150, 130 <laughs> people in them. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that's probably too many. That is yeah. also too many. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Yeah, normally it shouldn't, oh, yeah. normally it shouldn't be up to that. I would say probably 50 to 60 or 70, I would say, but not more than that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. But in this, they are putting like more yeah, than of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because of the money and they don't yeah. really care about your life, whether you'll make it or not. Yeah. All they are after is just the income they gain right. from it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So they made sure that you passed, you could get them, be the navigator. Yeah. And then and then how long did you have to wait before they put you on a boat? Yeah. So um we spend more of like um 
it depends because like sometimes before you get to the boat before you go inside the boat you might be lacking like the person who knows how to ride the boat mm. or you might be lacking like someone who knows how to use the gps mm. or even if you have both of those two and also you have like the crew members on board are up to like a certain numbers they want to have still it also depends if the weather is is okay to travel or not so they also sometimes check how good the weather might look like in the sea weather is very windy the waves so that also depends mm. yeah. yeah yeah but if you have every person that is needed to be on board and the weather is fine you might not spend like a week at the at the seaside or others even just upon arrival at the seaside they just um yeah start the journey the travel even on that day mm-hmm. yeah but for me i think um i think it's between one week to one to two weeks for now i don't exactly remember like how many how long i was at the at the sea right yeah, between one to two weeks okay and are some of your friends with you and some of the friends with the other uh, navigator or... So with my friends, when we all arrive in Libya, mm. then now it's just now it's a different also um um then it becomes different because I am going as a navigator, navigator and they are going in a different way. They have to pay for money to, yeah. to go. Okay. So Got they're it. in the line, yeah, basically. Exactly. And you're ready to go because yeah. navigators are always needed, yeah. probably. Okay. Yeah. And they also had to wait for their, like they didn't have the, all the money okay. they needed. Uh-huh. So then they okay. had to wait for some of their family members or however to help them do the payment. But uh-huh. when we arrived in Libya, then it was just everyone went in their own different ways. Yeah. yeah. Before we go to the sea, we were all living in Tripoli together. Okay. And then when I had to go to the sea, then I leave them in Tripoli and then okay. I left. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. So you tell us about the boat. I mean, you get on the boat and it's time to go. How long should the journey take to Italy? So normally when you're um, on the Libyan source, they normally tell you the journey to Italy takes you three, four hours. Okay. But that's not true. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's not true no you only come to know about the reality of it when you are now right in the boat to, to go yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah they only tell you that just to motivate you to encourage you and yeah but it's it's really not true because you're here three four hours and you're yeah, like okay, and you're like, okay just, yeah just get on and yeah of course it's tough but three four hours and yeah. we're there yeah okay so then how yeah how how long is it yeah it's with, with the boats that we use yeah. from Libya, for me, I think it's almost impossible to make it to to um to make it to Italy if the rescue boats were not there. Okay. I think it's almost impossible. Wow. Okay. Because when the rescue boat rescues wow. you, those big yeah. cargo ships run for the whole night, like a whole yeah. day, and then the whole night before they make it to to whatsoever destination really? in Italy. Yeah. Okay. So that was, yeah, there was no way you could have made it with those boats. Wow. And it's sad that you don't know that only when you are in the water. And then if your boat, like if the boat have, mm. have any slice problem, mm. then everyone, that's why a lot of people died in the sea. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So for for then I went and then um I um um we were on board on the sea and then the board was full and every everything was okay and then we started to travel from mm-hmm. Libyan coast to try to make it to Italy across the Mediterranean and then on our passage going through it I think we run for a couple of um couple of hours I would say three to four hours. And then um unlucky for us, we were attacked by pirates on the sea. Yeah. In Libya they call them asthma boys, but they are basically pirates mm. who just um kidnap you and then bring you back to Libya and then put you in prison mm. and then ask for money from you. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, so we were kidnapped by those people. Yeah. What? Yeah. And then they brought us back in Libya no. and then put us in prison. 
No. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So then they put us in prison. I was in prison for almost two months in Libya. Oh my gosh. Yeah, like yeah, one month, nineteen or twenty days, I would mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Yeah. Why why do the pirates have the authority to put you in prison? Like what are the charges? Yeah, so when they brought us, um when they um intervened our boat and then brought us, captured us, put us in prison. It was just something that was going on at the time. It was normal. Okay. The reason is there were no um any government in control at the time in Libya. So there was this um struggle among the Libyans themselves. Mm. We are like they have small groups who are just mm. so that was a means of living for them. Mm-hmm. The Libyans in particular. Yeah, yeah. Just kidnapping you guys, holding you for ransom. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that was um how they were just Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what, how were you, um, you had to be so discouraged again. I mean, here you are again, like, and now you're in prison. You've been kidnapped by pirates. Yeah. How how do you hold up in prison? Yeah. So in prison, (laughs) yeah, they put us in a big prison, almost with 300 plus people in one big prison. And then, um, Yeah. Everything was inside the prison, our eating, food, toilet, everything. You are not allowed to come outside. And yeah, they did not ask any ransom from us for the for, for the like few days or few weeks. Because normally when they kidnap you, they ask you to pay a ransom and then they will let you go. Mm-hmm. But these ones, they did not do that. So then we were all, we all did not know what was going on. And then, um, but then later on, what they what they did with us was like they will go the, the kidnappers will go and look for a any kind of work that is doable, like manpower work, mm-hmm. and then they will take it. But they will come and take us, use us to go and do that work, and then they will then the payment will be they will pay them the money, and then we will do the work for that. Wow. So that was what they were doing with us in prison. Yeah, so you were a slave, basically. Yeah. I mean, it sounds yeah. like slave labor. Okay. Yeah, we have been enslaved in that way, yeah. So then we were doing that for a while. And so, for example, if they need, like, um someone to do plumbery work, then they will come in the prison and ask, like, who is a plumber here? Yeah. And if you are, if you are a plumber, then you just say me. And then they will ask you, like, to just maybe... um bring along some people with you for you to go and do that kind of job. So us being in the prison, for us, it was also an opportunity whenever they come to ask for someone who who has a basic skills to do a certain type of job, it was an opportunity for you to be able just to even go out and get some fresh air or even see the brightness. So then if you are, yeah. Sure, Yeah. yeah. So one day they came and they took a friend of mine who was a plumber. And then he asked me to go together with him to do the work then um, um, they wanted us to do. So when we went for the work, we were doing the work like within the camp that they imprisoned us in. But that day what happened is normally when they bring you out for a walk, they, they secure you with guns like but that day, it was early in the morning, so it was only one person who was there to secure us with his gun. So then it was four of us there who were who came out to do that tax. So when we saw it was only one person, so among us, we agreed, like, let's try to escape because there was, we don't know what is going to happen. So mm-hmm. we saw it as an opportunity to escape. So then we waited him. He also and. The security man, we waited until he went inside. We don't know what he went to do. We all ran through our working tools and ran, um, jump over the fence to run to try and escape. So then when we were running, <laughs> when he came out, he didn't show any passing. Then he started shooting. And then when he started shooting, the others also who were sleeping, 
came out and then they started to run after us. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And we were running and then they were running, chasing us and then shooting at us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I ran until at some point um I took like um there was it was a highway I was running on, so I took like I stopped a taxi. Then I thought like yeah, I thought the taxi was going to um save me. So then I took the taxi, I entered in it. Unlucky for me, the taxi was one of their own people. No. In the prison, yeah. Oh. Yeah, then he brought me back. No, Henry. Coming from here. Yeah. yeah. So among the four of us, they caught three of us, only one escaped. Oh my gosh. So then when they brought us back in the prison, because that, that was the first time people tried to escape. So they wanted to set an example to the other prisoners that this is what will happen to you if you try to escape. They really beat us. Like yeah. with all kinds of tools, mm. wood, irons. Yeah. They beat us. And at the end, um, my body was swollen. I couldn't sit down. I couldn't lie down. Even to go to the toilet, people had to pick me up to help me and to go to use the toilet. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But that day, I felt like even my parents could feel the pain I was going through because I, came, I later on came to realize, like, they knew that there was something was not right with their, with their son back home. They felt, they felt it. Yeah. Yeah. So at that point, it's your mom and your brothers back home that are feeling it. Is that what you mean? Yeah. My yeah. mom's I meant, yeah. Yeah. Because later on, after later on, when I make it in Italy and I was speaking to one of my moms, then she told me that there was this time when this, we missed to hear from you for a while. We really felt like that mm. you were really, really going through hard, uh, tough times. Mm, yeah. yeah yeah so then when they brought us back in the prison and yeah so we continued to live in the prison and then <laughs> so at the prison everyone like became we were all scared and we did not know what to do so it was after this for me um as a gambian um there were also other gambians together with me but most of most of them or all of them were Muslims. I was the only sorry Christian among them. Then in the prison also, there were also Nigerians in the prison. So then um, what we decided to do with the Christians who were in the prison, so the Nigerians had a Bible with them somehow. I don't know how they, they managed to bring it in the prison, but they had a Bible with them in the prison. So it was in the prison for me, I started like to, to fast, to, to, to learn how to even fast. Mm -hmm. Then with the Nigerians, we were um, meeting, meeting together like once every day in mm -hmm. the morning to read the Bible, pray together, and then encourage each other when, when we were in the prison. It was really hard. Like for me, the toughest time of the prison was the first seven days, I would say. That is when you realize how important it is to be to have freedom of movement, freedom of doing whatever you want. And that was what was seized from you. Mm -hmm. Being in prison for the first time is, is tough. The first few days for me, it was because at, at some point later on, I just surrendered and I, I accept my position in being in prison. And all I was just looking forward to is just if this is if this means the end of life of life for me, then so be it. Because I have we have no one had hope that we will we were going to live from the prison. Because they were not asking for any money, they just bring you out, walk, and then bring you back. Yeah, but with the Nigerians, we started praying once in the morning, encourage each other, and then I started fasting in the prison for the almost Back home, I growing up as Catholic, I normally fast like during Lent, but this was different. Mm. I started fasting because it was my only hope I saw when I was in prison. I accepted 
my conditions I was going through and the only hope I saw was just holding on to God and doing that is just fasting and praying, spending time as brothers and encouraging each other. So we stayed there for a while and at some point all the prisoners also just get fed up and we were all angry because some are there who wanted to pay like um, if they could have asked for a ransom from them, some of them could have communicated their families back home and then they would pay for them and they will have their freedom, mm. but they didn't give us that opportunity. Wow. Yeah, and then we all became like, um, we reached at a certain point where we were like, okay, we have to try and do something. Mm. If not, we'll stay here, who knows for how long, no one knows. Mm. So then all the prisoners agreed that, okay, we are now going to try and um, um, attack to um, break the wow. escape. Yeah. What? Yeah. And this is, I mean, how can you get so many prisoners to agree? Like, that amazes me. Because if one of so, them s- says, well, I'm going to go tell so I don't get beaten or something. Yeah, because what happened is the first few weeks we were in the prison, why we couldn't have that agreement initially was there were a few prisoners who were more closer to the yeah. to the people who kidnapped us. So they showed them some some favor, kind of like extra food, extra um how should I say it? Privileges. Privileges, exactly. So then those ones didn't agree with us in the beginning mm. when we wanted to all agree together. But it reached at some point when they also lose those privileges from these guys, then they also became disappointed and they are like, okay, now yeah. we just have to do something together now. So that was how we were able to do that, to come as one, almost 300 and something people. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So then that happened like um in the first day of Ramadan in 2016, because the first day of Ramadan, um, we all fasted, whether Christian or Muslim, they made you all to fast, like they don't just bring food for any person until like late in the evening, and then they bring food one time. And then after the food. After um, the time they normally break the evening fasting meal, and then the next, that very night in the morning, they also bring food because like during Ramadan, Muslims, they always um, eat two times. So one is in the evening for the breaking of the fast, mm-hmm. and then another one early in the morning, mm-hmm. they always wake up to eat to, to sustain them during the day. Mm-hmm. So then when they came early in the morning and gave us that food, they went into their um, houses to sleep. So then they normally sleep most of the part of the morning towards the afternoon. And then they wake up in the afternoon, some late afternoon towards the evening. But when they gave us this food in the morning around four, five, and then they went to sleep, then we, the prisoners, decided to attack um, the prison to try wow. to break it to escape. Yeah. Yeah. And what happened was we um there was only one small window that um that we were able to break to break to to be able to just try to escape. All these other prisoners had to go through that small window to make it outside. Because um we couldn't that was the only way we could try to escape. The other ways was impossible almost. So then when we break this small window and then people started trying to jump, to go through the window to jump over to try and escape, I didn't try. But also what happened is for me before that day even, like the night before that I had a dream. And in my dream, I saw like the prison door being opened for us. And then people were walking through it. And then I was among those who walked through it. And then I saw water also like falling on us as we are walking through it. So then the next, when I dream of that, that morning, that was the first day of Ramadan, I shared with my Christian brothers in prison. And then I told them that this is the dream I had. And then after I shared it, the our leader who was one of our prison leaders, um, 
and he's a Christian. He encouraged me and we prayed together. And he told me that just, um, he encouraged me by just being there and telling me to pray over it and don't don't give up basically, it will be fine. But I did not also um, expect that it was going to happen that night, like the, the following morning, or I did not even expect to see myself being um, out of the prison so soon, even in that way as well. So, so then, yeah. What? So, what did the dream mean to you? When I dreamt, it meant for me like there was we would have gone out of the prison somehow, but not through breaking it. Okay. Maybe maybe, maybe they will just ask a ransom from us, or they will just transfer us mm. at another prison or something like that. Okay. okay. So yeah. that dream God communicated to you. Yeah. Um, I feel like. Yes. Yeah, I do yeah. too. Okay. All right. Go on. Yeah. So then that morning when we broke the, um, when we um, broke the small window and then people were trying to escape, I didn't. I was yeah. just sitting because of what happened the first time I tried to escape. Yeah. So I was never thinking of trying to even escape and then people were trying until like more than 30 minutes there was a lot of movement shouting because everyone was trying to um yeah everyone was trying to go through just a small window mm. so after 30 minutes nothing happened the um those who um were guiding us didn't knew that we were trying to escape after an hour nothing happens and then for me, all of a sudden, at one point, something just made me just go and try. I don't know how I had that um that courage to go and try. I don't. But I just woke up and saw myself also going to the window to try and escape. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, there was... A lot of people and the window was also very high and I was one of the smallest guys in the prison. So I I couldn't um, expect myself going through it based on how the people were just trying to go through the window. But yeah, also in the window because we had like our toilets inside the, um, inside the prison. So then what also motivated me was one small boy who I was also like, bigger enough big more i was bigger than him so i saw him like the way he tried to go through the window when i saw him did that i'm like i think this is possible because i knew i couldn't go through the whole crowd to make it to the window but for him he went and there we had our toilets in the prison so he stand on top of the toilet there and then try to reach the top uh, the Top, um, top of the roof and then hung in there and then holding the roof and then going towards where the window was. But that one also, if you fall from that, then you are now coming down and anything can happen to you. You can break your ankle or your leg. But he tried that and then he make it to the window. Then I was like, okay, I think this is, this is doable. Yeah. So then I just wake up and also went and tried the same thing. But it took time. How far down would you say the window is? So this is, I'm trying to make sure I understand, but this is like a second window, a smaller window that you get on top of the toilets. The other people that are bigger are going through one window, correct? It's one window, which is like the, it's just one window, but it is where it is, it's very high. Uh, it's very high. Okay. So then, for example, this is the window here and you have the toilet here. So then the older people will just come straight here, but they can jump to reach the height of the window to make it outside. But if I come and jump, I might not even reach it. And whilst oh, you are oh. jumping, others are trying to pull you down as well so that they can also make it. Oh my but gosh. If you come from here, then here is the toilet. You stand on the top of the toilet here, and then you reach the top of the roof here. Oh. You hold it here. Then you hang on the roof there and then try to I got hold, it. Yeah, to come where the small where the window is to escape. I see. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you saw him do it yeah. and you saw him make it to the window. Yeah. And then so then you you 
tried the same thing. Yeah. And I tried the same thing. Yeah. And then luckily for me also, I was able to make it through the window as well. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm trying to picture all these people like scrambling and fighting with each other. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Later on, when I made it a letter on to Italy, I came and met some other guys in Italy that I was together with in the same, in this very same prison and they told me what what happened was after when we escaped the people they caught they killed almost um they kill i think two of them wow yeah 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 so just, just curious how did they then those guys then escape no they did not not in that evening no not in but that then evening how did they do you remember yeah you know? so they said later on they like they brought the um removed them from that prison and took okay. them to another prison. So they took them out from Tripoli and then bring them back to Saba, which was like the border between Niger okay. and Libya. Okay. And okay. then put them in a prison there. And in that prison, they asked them to pay ransom for their oh. freedom. And that's how they, okay. they got out. Wow. Yeah. wow. And they start again to try to yeah. come back to Tripoli. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Wow. Okay. All right. So you get to the window. Yeah. And then what happens from there? So this time when I got out, because the first time I tried, I was just running on the highway to try to escape. But this time when I escaped the second fence, when I was outside, I didn't run that much. So there was um there was a small dumping site where they draw garbages and rubbish like this, which had some plants like trees over there so i just went and hide in that place because i was weak i didn't have a lot of um strength energy i was very drained as well so i hide in that place for that whole morning and then that whole day i stayed there i didn't had anything to drink no food i stayed Mm. there the whole full day until the next day again in the morning the time i know that they are now eating uh, uh, their morning breakfast kind of before they mm-hmm. go to sleep then after that time I know now they have gone to sleep then that was the time I came out from my hiding place and then walked to, leave, to try to leave that whole area wow yeah. Wow. okay yeah. can you just back up for one second can you tell me about that window like about how uh, how high it was down to the ground like I'm just trying to picture that you got through the window then did you have to like jump yeah out yeah how high was that then yeah it was it was quite high okay yeah maybe something like at the edge of that window there yeah uh, the, yeah the wall there yeah. and then when you jump and you are still inside the prison compound uh-huh. and then there is another fence again you need to jump after you are from inside after from yeah yeah when you get through the window yeah and then you still need to jump another one more fence before okay. you are finally outside of the whole yeah. prison territory yeah. okay so this is maybe 10 10 feet 10 feet, feet. Yeah. i don't know yeah yeah, yeah. okay okay all right yeah. so go ahead and get us back to where so after a full day yeah. um and then the next morning what happens when you know they're eating or resting or whatever the guards yeah then okay. I came out of my hiding place and then I walk to leave that whole area where the prison was to try to um, go to another um, different, um, I went in a different direction. Yeah. Even though I did not know which direction I was going, but I was just walking and hoping that I'm not being caught. Right. Yeah. And then I walk for, yeah, I walk for a couple of hours. And then when I leave that area completely, then I came across um one one old uh, one old man, and then I asked him that I want to go to Tripoli in a place called Grigarash in Tripoli, and then he told me that the taxis are not yet um running at the time because it was Ramadan, but he told me that later in the afternoon they will start running. And then also I had no money. I'm coming from prison. <laughs> right. So I to take a taxi to bring uh, me to where I was trying to go to. 
But this old man also gave me some couple of dinars uh-huh. that I can use to buy food or whatever. But it, it was just few dinars, yeah. <laughs> so when he told me that, so I waited until late in, until in the afternoon. I went to a place where I could get a taxi, and then I told the taxi to bring me to um to bring me to Tripoli in Grigaras, and then the taxi driver, <laughs> um. Yeah, he he charged me like he overcharged me. And then I told him I would pay it, hoping that when I reach at Grigaras, mm-hmm. the person under whose um, connection I went to the sea with, I was hoping that that person mm-hmm. could still help to pay it for me. So then when the taxi brought me until Grigaras, and then I asked the people there, like, have you, where is this guy? Like, the taxi driver brought me up to the compound where I was before they brought me to the sea. And then when I asked of that person, then they told me that he was also being caught and he's in prison. And I was hoping that this person was going to pay my money for me. And then when the taxi driver came to realize that I did not even have money, (laughs) yeah, he just locked all the, the taxi doors and he brought out a pistol on me and then um, hit me with the pistol and then he he started just um he was angry at me and started shouting and he was like okay you don't because you don't have money i'll just take you back to the i'll just take you and go and sell you in a, at any prison just for him to have his money back because he also write the distance he he drove to bring me to grigaras was yeah it was also far so he was very, very angry that I didn't have money and I didn't tell him that and I don't even have money to pay him. So he he was ready to go and sell me again to another prison just wow. to have his money back. Yeah. So while we were um, in that tension in the taxi, someone outside saw us and I knew that something was was not right between us and then he came and then the taxi driver lowered the um yeah the window the, yeah the window and then the, i i pleaded with the guy that i explained to him that hey i'm coming from prison and i don't have money i went under this person's um contact but i realized that he himself is not here he's in prison now and now I don't have any money to pay this taxi driver and he's going to send me back to prison if if I don't have any money to pay him. And then luckily that guy told me that he's going to pay the, the taxi driver the um, the fare for me and then he paid it for me. And who is that guy? Why did he pay? Yeah, he was just like, he was, he was from Senegal, but we did not know each other. Uh-huh. But he was also in the same journey like me. So he knew that okay. he knew what I was, where I was coming from. He knew what would happen to me if I didn't pay the taxi driver his money. He was, um, I was supposed to. Yeah. So he just showed mercy for me and then he paid it for me. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that was so, how I got out of prison. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. You get out of prison and then you're about to go back to prison. And then this, this compassionate person pays but you'd already been pistol whipped yeah by the taxi driver oh my gosh yeah 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 so then that that happened and then i was living um again in in tripoli and i was not having any money with me and um i started again going back to the um, market to try and work to make some money for a living at least on a daily just to have food to eat. But then I also became afraid because now I try to go across to, to make it to Italy and then this happens to me. So I was I was afraid what will happen next if I tried next time and they catch me again and then end in prison. So I was I was just confused. I did not know what to do. And I also don't have any money and I'm still living in Libya and anything can happen. So I did not just know what, what next. Right. Yeah. So I started going to the market, um, doing any kind of work that I could. And then at the end, sometimes they give you food that you can come and 
um, make yourself at home and eat. So I did that. And then that was what I was doing for, for some time. Mm. And then someone also who was like, he was a Gambian and he was also in prison for seven months. Mm. And then he was very, very sick. And then, then they knew that they don't need him. They couldn't do anything for him. They released him. And then when he came, he was living in the same room with me and other people. So normally when I go to the market and in the evening when I come, then I make food for me and him and the others and we eat. But lucky, um, unfortunately, at some point, yeah, there was one evening he wanted to go and, yeah, he wanted to use the toilet. And then he asked me and another friend who were there with him to help him to take him to the toilet. Mm. When we bring him to the toilet, as he was peeing, he died. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was the first time for me, like someone died in my own hands and I had to even just close his eyes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was very hard for me to see someone died in real life, like in my mm. own hands. So mm. that, yeah. Yeah, I was sorry. with him in yeah. the same room all the time, just mm. talking about life, how we were hoping that when we make it to Italy, how he will help his family and just the memories of him, what he was like in Gambia. And yeah, yeah. And he was in a, yeah. Mm. yeah. May he so rest in peace. Up to now, I, it just it's hard for me. Mm. Yeah, his name is Matar. He still know the places from Gambia, Sukura, and yeah. Mm. So that happens to him. He died and they buried him there. And but still I have to leave. I have to continue on the journey I was there for. And mm. yeah. Then after a couple of weeks, like two, three weeks again, I still choose to try again. Then I went with another different connection again. And then this time around, I went back to the sea again as um, the, I was still be, um, going to be the person for the navigator, uh, to do the navigation with the compass. Mm. So I went for the second time again. And this time we were, we were again in the boat and then we try again to cross to Italy, to make it to Italy. And then we run for a couple of hours and then we saw water coming in the boat. Oh, my goodness. So for the beginning, we were like, maybe because when we were all going inside the boat, maybe our clothes got mm. wet, and then now the water is just dropping off. So mm. then we tried to... Um, you know, like bail it out? Yeah, yeah. and then it stopped. Mm. And then we went further again, and then we realized that, okay, our boat actually had a problem and remember i told you the boss is yeah you inflate, mm. you, inflate mm-hmm. yeah. you, them, you pump them so mm-hmm. what happened was it it got punched mm. and then the air started to lose and now we are in the middle of nowhere in the water right and then so um the water started to come in the boat sl- slowly 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 but yet we were like, we did not know how um, how bad the punch was. Mm. But gradually, it started to lose. It started to lose. And then until at some point, for example, like this is the boat. Mm-hmm. And then all this side here is full of people and inside. So let's say from here to here got loose. Like this is where the... Um, um, this side of the board is where where I got punched and then the air loose here and then mm. the captain and me were behind here but here loose and then the water was it loose to a certain level like it was on the same water level as the sea and then our boat went inside and the people who were in the water like in the middle of the mm. water the water came up to their chest and our machine was inside the water also yeah. Or, or what was? The machine to, to ride oh, the boat. Mach- oh, yeah. The, like motor yeah. machine. Yeah. 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 The motor. Uh, yeah. The motor okay. yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. So then, um, so for now, we feel like, okay. Yeah. We, we, um, we, we wouldn't make it. 
And then what happened is all of a sudden, then came also the pirates again. Finally. No. Yeah. And then when the pirates came, well, for us at that time, it was best what? for us to go in prison again yeah. than to just remain in that situation at the time. So when they came and find us, for us, we were hoping that they, they would help us and then even bring us back to Libya and then just took us in prison. We were okay with that. Wow. But luckily for us, we were also almost already in the, in the we call it international um, sea, where like once you made it to that point, they had no right to, um, to take us back to Libya. So we have already passed the Libyan water level. So then when they were trying to tie a rope on our boat so that they can pull us, then out of nowhere came a helicopter in the, yeah, above us. Yeah. But it was a little bit far from us. So when these pirates saw the helicopter, then they just left our boat and ran away. Hmm. Yeah. Oh my and gosh. Then, yeah. But your boat is still sinking. It's still sinking. And then at some point, our the person who was driving the boat, we all lose hope. We all thought that was the end of us. Right. Yeah. Because um, we all like remove our clothes because we also waited in the boat for more than an hour just to wait it to sink and then everyone dies. Like at some point we accepted our faith that this is right. it. We are not. We are no more going to live. This is the end of it. Right. Yeah. Hmm. And our captain told to his friend also like, um, goodbye and this is it and let's see each other again like uh, after after that and everyone yeah. accepted their faith that they were going to die i accepted mine and i was in the boat i remember just looking high up on the sky thinking of my family what they have been telling to me don't go on this journey mm-hmm. just looking at the sky seeing it for the last time in my life mm. it's just a moment where you accept death because that that was it like mm-hmm. we all accept that we are going to die right yeah and that was before the the helicopter came up we all ac- accepted that and when you look at any someone's eyes all you see is just dead you can you can tell that we are all we are all dead alive yeah yeah yeah. And that was that was before the helicopter. So was that before yeah, the pirates? That was before the that was yes, that was also before the pirates. Yeah. Okay. All right. Then the pirates come and let me make sure I understand. So when the pirates come, even though you know you're going back to prison, you said yeah. that that was better than than dying. Yeah. I mean, you accepted like, okay, they take yeah, us back, at least I'll be alive. Yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure I understood that. So so then the helicopter comes or, you know, the pirates get, they're, they're concerned or afraid. So they take off. Yeah. And so now you're back to, we're going to die. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What happened? Because, what happens? And then um, what happened was, so we stayed there for a while, but then the boat didn't sink and we don't know how. Whoa. We were all waiting for the boat to sink more than an hour. It didn't sink and we were just floating in the water. No one knows how. <laughs> Yeah. So then there was this guy who came together with me because I was using the compass and then they had to give me one free person that I can bring along with me. And he was a Senegalese I brought. So him also, he knows how to, um, how to ride the boat, but he said his father warned him not to do it. So then he came like our machine was in the water and then he he on the machine he tried to on it and then it worked <laughs> he he tried to crank it yeah and, and then it, it worked, worked on and then everyone was just but still we all were not so even the machine was on but we were all like okay the machine is on but what's what next yeah because yeah. also and you're saying some people then are yeah others the water so was, part of the boat is like under yeah and part not yeah Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Okay. Yeah. 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 And then when the machine on, so then um then the captain, like the one who was driving the boat, he himself was also just surprised that the machine turned on. And then he came and then um started like um we were also lucky he was also a very, I think, experienced captain, I would say. Yeah. So when then when that came on and then he he came and took the machine from this friend of mine and then he took the machine and then um what he did was if we are going towards this direction and then the water was coming this way so then the boat is supposed to go like this but what he did is he will turn on the machine and then try to uh, against the waves like this for a, for some time and then turn off the machine and then try to bring back the boat in this direction again to go towards the direction we were going. And then I was still um having the compass with me, just trying to make sure that we doesn't uh we doesn't um lose the track of the direction we were going to. So you're still trying to go towards the direction of Italy? Yeah, because okay. when that also happened we knew that okay, actually we are not actually far from from the rescuing um area. Okay. We were not actually inside the international, but we were almost there. Okay. Okay. So what happened is the helicopter came and then was just um going to and fro in an area where we are supposed to reach at, mm. but we couldn't reach it fast because our boat had already had a problem. Mm. Right. So we had to try and maneuver it in this way to be able to make it to to where they can come and rescue us. So once you're in international waters, they could rescue you. But yeah. before then, they can't really help because no, it was can't. like Libyan waters or, or no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Is this a good spot to just take a few minute break? Uh, I've kind of lost track of time, but we've been going for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, just another cliffhanger. Yeah. Yep. Another, <laughs> what's going to happen next? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Golly, Henry. Um, this is this is incredible, and uh, we'll um, we'll just continue on to our next session right after this. We'll be right back. Very bold radio and podcast with your host Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to verybold.com for information and updates, and email Steve at verybold.com. dot 